It's Palm Sunday. It is Palm Sunday. Everyone's got their own palms, right? You know why it's called Palm Sunday? Because they broke palms off of the nearby trees, but the branches, and put them down in front of Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. If you've got Mark in your Bibles, can you turn with me to Mark chapter 11? Now, I apologise, I have my ESV version tonight, and my Bible is a little bit different to the NIV, but it's all still good. Any Greek speakers here tonight, you'll be fine, because it's all the same in Greek. But tonight, I've got the ESV, I'm sorry, English Standard Version, apparently. And you have, if you've got the Northern Irish Version, that's fine. Naomi read out of that, the NIV. But Mark chapter 11, verse 1, it's Palm Sunday, right? The triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I'll just begin reading. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. When he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. It's a pretty cool story. Like, it's really cool. It's actually a really cool story about Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem. It's so cool that all four Gospels talk about it. Now, when that happens, it's usually a good thing. So I want to look at this story, right? I think it's a fantastic story. But did you notice... The donkey? Probably not. Huh? It had never been ridden. It had never been ridden. It was tied up and it was, a pl- it was at a crossroads between Bethpage and Bethany. It's funny, you know, because we come to Palm Sunday year after year, us Christians. It's a really highlight of the Christian calendar because Palm Sunday is the beginning of the Easter week or the the Passion Week, which is the week leading up to when Jesus died on the cross on the Friday. And then he rose again three days later. We come back to this event every single year. We celebrate it. We celebrate Palm Sunday. I remember as a kid going to an Anglican church with my mum and Sunday school was full of some person's garden and we all had to make these little crosses. I'd love to know how to do it again. 
But has anyone here ever made those crosses made out of palm leaves? No, just two of us or three of us. I have no idea how to do it, but I'd love to find out how to do it. We made these crosses out of palm leaves. It was great. And I thought that's what Palm Sunday was about. We'd make things out of palms. It was fantastic. But it's all about this. But did you notice the donkey? No one, no one spoke to me about the donkey. And I can relate to the donkey. So can you. No offence. From here, you guys look fine. You look intelligent. But I'm sure we can relate to the donkey. The donkey is, uh, is a side character. You know, it's not... As Jesus is riding in to Jerusalem, they're all singing praises, right? But not to the donkey. They're singing praises to who? Jesus, yeah. They're calling out all sorts of things like, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The kingdom of David, their father David. Hosanna in the highest. And they're quoting scriptures. Now I want you to... while they're singing this to, the, to Jesus, not the donkey. Okay, I can relate to the donkey. Zechariah, if you've got your Bibles, you, you definitely have Zechariah in your Bibles. And I didn't mark mine, so you've got time to look it up too. But it's at the end of the, the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 9. If you don't find it, that's fine. I'm just going to read it out. I probably should have had it up, up on the screen for you. But if you do have it, look it up. Um, it's just before Malachi. So Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and Zechariah is just before that. So I'm in chapter 9 of Zechariah, and it's a prophecy concerning um, the coming of the king. And Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 goes like this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold. You know what behold means? Look. Your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. You know, it's interesting. We usually go to see kings. How many of you have had a king come to see you or a queen or come to see you? Oh, no. No. No one cares about us, especially those people. We have to go to see them and we have to tick all the boxes before we can go to see them. We have to make sure that you know we've got a security check and everything to go see the king or the queen. This is a different king. This king comes to you. And what's he, what is he coming on? A donkey. And, and what is he bringing with him? Salvation. He is righteous and he has salvation. In other words, he's coming from a battle that he has won and he's coming to you. It's really cool. He's actually come from a battle, he's won the battle, and now he's coming to you. He's victorious. He has salvation. He's won this freedom, humble and mounted on a donkey. Read on, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Then this is the Lord speaking in verse 10. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Speaking about this king, this righteous king coming on a donkey, he's going to stop war. That's what it's saying. The battle, the battle bow will be... Uh, cut off and the, the war horse uh, and the chariot will be cut off. Wouldn't it be wonderful 
to live in a world with no war. Wouldn't it? Like we have no idea. I love it. I love hearing kids playing. I love hearing kids play. We don't have the sound of kids playing here, but if they were here, I wouldn't care because that's freedom. You know, it's lovely. And if the parents want to shut their kids up a little bit, that's up to them. But me personally, I just love it. It's a sound of freedom. You know, and, and there's a country right now that's going through war. You know, Ukraine is going through war. And, and for them to read something like this, it doesn't make sense because there's still war. This is talking about a victorious king who's coming from conquering in a, in a battle. And he, and he says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim. He's going to bring peace. He's going to speak peace to the nations. We know who that's talking about, this king. It's Jesus. His rule shall be from sea to sea, that says. What does that mean? From sea to, to sea. It's just all over, right? Geographically. Geographical, all right? His rule will be over everything geographical, all right? And then it goes on to say, and from the river to the ends of the earth. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. That's talking about, I, I see that talking about the river. You see, there's a river mentioned in, in Eden where there was one river and out of that there flowed four rivers out of Eden. But that one river was a place, it was close to the, where God created Adam and Eve and there was, life was perfect. Life was, there was no war, there was no sin, there was no cancer, there was no tumours, there was no divorce, there was no pain, there was no growing old, there was just relationship with God and freedom. Sounds good, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. I'm in line for hip surgery. You know, there's no lines for hip surgery in the Garden of Eden until, until Eve and Adam decided to disobey God, to disobey his word, and then they were cast out of the garden. So sin has reigned so, so far and we all, all of us are under its power until we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And so he, his rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Like to the end of time, like it's not just geographical rule, it's going to be a total chronological rule, a historical rule. He will rule everything. Amazing words, isn't it, from Zechariah. Wow. He's a gentle victor. He comes gently. Then I read these words from Zechariah in verse 11. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. It's really strange language, okay? But here is this idea of this salvation, that the extent of God's salvation. It's not just making us feel good in this life. It's actually about giving us hope. God's salvation for us through Jesus Christ, through the blood of his covenant, I believe that's what it's talking about there, the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. In other words, before Christ came, believers in God's promises would, would be sent to a, a, a Hades, a, a place of the dead, right? Until Christ shed his blood on the cross and the new covenant was formed, all right? That's why the man on the cross next to Jesus, when Jesus said today, uh, his, when he put his faith in Jesus, Jesus said to the man, today you will be with me 
in paradise, right? He didn't actually use the term heaven. He used the term paradise because at that point, he had not yet fulfilled the righteous requirements of God's wrath upon sin. So Jesus was still taking upon his shoulders your sin and my sin, pouring out his blood, pouring out his life, and bringing the new covenant. And so then, once that happened, all the captives were set free to be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of God, not in some kind of limbo, but in the presence of God. Out of the waterless pit, they weren't no longer prisoners there. Where are they prisoners now? They are prisoners of hope. Verse 12, it says, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. They're captive to hope. They're captivated by hope. I need to be captivated by hope. You need to be captivated by hope. The donkey needed to be captivated by hope. Let's go back to Mark chapter 10. See, what we see here is an amazing thing that we just read over and maybe not notice so much. But it says when Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, he came to a, an area, a crossroads, Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives. Now here's, like Jerusalem is here, right? Whenever people would, were to go to Jerusalem, whether they come from north, south, east or west, west, they always say, I'm going up to Jerusalem. Okay, So they go up to Jerusalem to worship at the temple or whatever do whatever they needed to do, go shopping. But the Mount of Olives is actually over this side and it's a little bit higher. And so Jesus is up here with his disciples. They've just travelled from the, the Gentiles regions, healing people, casting out demons, raising people from the dead. They've actually just come through Jericho and made a blind guy. Jesus has just healed a blind guy, made him see again. It's amazing. And so now he's coming to this place where it's a a crossroads where there's two villages and from there there's the main road down into the Kidron Valley and then up into Jerusalem where Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem on the donkey, right? So he's coming down this through the valley up into Jerusalem. And seven days from, or five days from there, he will be tried and, and um, convicted and crucified on a cross. But at the moment, he's coming to this area, right? It's a crossroads on the Mount of Olives. And he, it says that Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter it, you will find a cult. How did he know that? How did he know that? He hadn't even been there in the last eight, well, couple of years. He hadn't even been through that way. But he still knows about the donkey. Yeah, and he knows about you and me. Like, we, I don't know about you, but this donkey, he says, as you enter, you'll find a colt, a donkey. And, and what's the donkey doing? It's just stuck. It's tied up. It's stuck and it can't go forward if it wanted to. It can't go backwards if it wanted to. It can't do what it likes. It's just stuck in a place. Now, I can relate to the donkey. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I find myself stuck at a crossroads and no one cares. And it feels like God is in another town, not even wondering about me. Is it just me? Might as well just, you guys go, I'll preach to myself. Sometimes it feels like that. And it doesn't matter how far you travel or change, it just stuck. You just feel stuck, just tied up. I want to talk about the donkey tonight. 
Does anyone notice the donkey? Well, yes, they do. His name's Jesus. He notices donkeys. He does. No offence to anyone tonight who feels like a donkey. But the donkey is noticed by Jesus. If, you're, if you feel like a donkey tonight, if you're stuck at a crossroads or tied up, God has a plan for you. He loves to actually tie up people before he uses them. Like, I know that sounds like a cliche, and please thank you for not coming up and slapping me in the face. But time and time again, when God is about to do something amazing in your life or in the lives of people around you, there will be a period of tying up. There'll be a period of restriction. Now, I'm not talking about like COVID. You know, we've been stuck for the last 24 months in our own homes. I'm talking about just like like emotionally, spiritually, physically. It could be relationally. It could be financially. Look at Joseph, for example, in the Old Testament. You know the story of Joseph? Hands up. Okay, so before... Before he was the deliverer and, and saviour, I guess, to the nation of Egypt, he got tied up, didn't he? He was actually tied up. He was put in a cistern by his brothers and then he was rescued by some slave traders, rescued, and then, and then he was put, in, put into Potiphar's house and he was a slave. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. And then from there he was accused of stealing stuff and then where, where did he go? Into prison. <laughs> like... So, God, where are you? I thought you had a plan for my life. What's going on? But it was all part of God's plan for him. He just didn't see it. But you know what? The Bible says time and time again, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Mary, Jesus' mum, I love her. She was tied up before God really used her. Here is this, this single young girl, right? not married, and an angel from heaven says, you're going to have a baby. She's from a Jewish family. The, the travesty, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Scandal of this bulge in her middle and everyone watching and everyone talking and whispering behind the backs. And she's not really following God. Look at her. God had to tie her up and he used, in a sense, tie her up, restrict her because he had a great plan for her life. You could just pick anyone pretty much that God used in the Bible and there was a period of them being tied up or restricted. Paul going blind on the way to Emmaus. Lots of people, lots of people. The donkey, I think, is one of those. He's, he's at a crossroads and he's tied up. But Jesus, is, Jesus notices, notices the donkey. All right, and then what does Jesus say? Um, not only does he know where the donkey is, but he knows everything about the donkey's history. He says, no one's ever ridden this donkey before. How does he know that? It just amazes me. I've heard people say that, well, he made plans already with the people before he gets to the place, but there's no mention of that anywhere in the Bible ever. And he says, on which no one else has ever sat. No one's ever sat on that donkey before. I'll want that donkey. I want that person. They're tied up. They're at a crossroads, but I want them. That's cool. I can relate to that donkey. It's tied up, but Jesus has a plan. Jesus has a plan. You know, um, that God has a plan for your life when you are tied up. 
But if you feel tied up, if you feel restricted, if you feel like God's not in your picture or doesn't care about you, it actually probably means that God has an amazing plan for you. Like if you're living for him, that is, like, you know, I'm not saying like you don't care about following God. If you're following him and you're living as rightly as you possibly can, God has an amazing plan for your life. And he notices you. But you know what happens when when God has a plan for your life? Stuff doesn't actually go according to your and my plan, like our own schedules. So let's say, for example, there was a period of time in my life where I felt like this donkey in a big way. I was at a crossroads. I was pastoring a church, 100 plus people, stuff was happening. The Holy Spirit was really moving in people's lives. My kids had had everything going for them at school. My wife had full-time work and we were were just blessed, right? We were living in a a house belonging to the church. It was an amazing time. And And then God started to whisper into our ears, hey, we want you, I want you in another state. I want you in uh, in, a, in a town that you probably never heard of, <laughs> in an area that you never heard of, and and we were forced into this place as this is a true story. Sonia and I were um, at a crossroads. Do we? Is this God? Is this God calling us to Pakenham? Is this God, or or is it not? Is it? Should we stay here because it's where it's where you know we're comfortable and things are working? And we had to come to this point, this crossroads, where we had to decide to go or to stay. And it was restricting and it was hard. And it, and it has been, even from that day onwards. It's been a constant reminder for me and, and Sonia, is this where you want us, Lord? Is this the time? You know, are you still, have you still got us tied up for something? What's going on? What's in your mind? And, and he's just reminding me again and again as I read this that he knows about the next town. He knows about the donkey. He knows about the history of the donkey. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And when anything or anyone ever gets in the way of what God has called you to do, you come against that in Jesus' name. If God's called you to do something, then you do it. Now, as soon as you go to do it, the devil's going to try and stop you from doing it every single time, all right? Now, I'm not saying this is the devil, but what does Jesus say to the disciples as they go in to get this donkey? Before they go, he says in verse 3, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. In other words, if anyone's trying to stop you from doing this amazing thing, because they don't know there's a donkey there. They're just trusting what Jesus has said. And so they go, they find this donkey. What do you know? Jesus was right. And they go to get the donkey. How would they feel taking someone's donkey without their permission? Whose permission did they have? God's. Jesus's, right? And so someone comes up to them and says, what are you doing? And they come back and they don't use their own strength. They don't use their own name. They use Jesus's name. The Lord has need of it. They just say exactly what Jesus says. You know, some things come against us in life. Now, it doesn't have to be ministry. It could be physical things, you know, like suffering, pain, whatever. In this life, we will have struggles, right? 
It could be financial problems. It could be a relational problem. It could be, you know, whatever. Whatever situation it is that's coming against you or trying to take away the destiny that God has placed in your heart, we don't come against it in our own strength. We come against it in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus' name is above every other name. Jesus' name is above the name of cancer. It's amazing. He uses doctors, but it's amazing how many times if you pray and pray in the name of Jesus for a situation, it's amazing how many times he actually comes through. It's almost like he's the Lord. He's either the Lord of all, right? Or he's not Lord at all. Okay? And so the disciples, they go in the name of Jesus. Now, that's pretty cool. We can probably stop there. But there's something else that I really love about this donkey. And I think it can it applies to all of us. Um, I'm not sure how else to put it. I'll just read, it, read what it says. Right? It says here in, in um, verse 7, And they brought the colt to Jesus. They brought the donkey to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it. What is the donkey doing there? What's the donkey doing in that situation? I'll read it again. And they brought, and they brought the colt to Jesus, the donkey to Jesus, and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. What's the donkey doing? Just standing still and letting Jesus sit on it. <laughs> yeah, no, you thought, oh, he's going to be tricky. No, no, no. Just I'm just. This is how it is, right? It's just this donkey. It, they bring the donkey. The donkey stands there. No one notices the donkey. They just cover the things. And Jesus sits on the donkey. And from there, Jesus starts going towards the cross on a donkey. Have you ever seen a donkey's back? What's on a donkey's back? Like what's, what shape can you see in the hair on the back of a donkey sometimes? It's a cross. Yeah. You see the cross. You see a cross on a, on yeah, the, across the shoulder and across the, like a ridgeback. You know those dogs? They got a ridge. Yeah, like that. Jesus is riding this donkey towards the cross, right? Now, I'm relating to this donkey. So this message is for you as well to relate to the donkey. As soon as you trust that he knows where you're at, and allow him to loose you or untie you from that restricting place that you're in and, and allow and then allow him um, to sit on you. I'm just, yeah, I'll be in submission under him. I'm just thinking teachers in the room. Sometimes, sometimes if there's unruly children, I've heard of stories of teachers sitting on kids, just sit on them because it's, it's, no one gets hurt. But that's not this is about. This is about Jesus getting on this, this animal and this donkey and sitting on it and going towards the cross. You know, when God sits, something's about to happen. In the Bible, it talks about in, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, it talks about God sitting on the circle of the earth. Now, I don't know what that is, right? But I know that that must mean that God is above everything, right? I'm not even sure what the circle of the earth is. I know Saturn has a circle, doesn't it? I don't, the earth doesn't. But the whole thing, God's just sitting over it all, right? 
Isaiah 40 verse 22. Psalm 2 verse 4 talks about how actually it's a prophetic psalm about the cross, about Christ. But in verse 4, it talks about how God sits and laughs at the people who try to stop his plans from happening. So it's almost like, you know, Pilate and the Romans and everyone, they're conspiring against Jesus. And it's almost like Jesus's plans aren't coming to, to pass. But it's actually all part of God's plan. And he just sits down and he laughs at it. Like he's just really large and in charge. Whenever God sits, stuff happens. So God sat down once on the mount on the edge of Mount of Olives and he started to teach the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Whenever God sat once in a temple in Luke 4, we see Jesus sitting down in the temple and, and as he sat down, all eyes were fixed on him and were listening to every word coming from his mouth. When Jesus sits, when God sits down, stuff is about to happen. Now you might be saying, okay, Ian, all right, Fine, it's all metaphorical. Jesus is not going to sit on me tonight. Actually, Jesus is sitting on a throne at the right hand of God. And I would say, you're absolutely correct. Jesus right now is, is exalted and he is sitting on the throne. All right, He is the name above every name. One day he's going to come back to judge between the living and the dead. Okay, And, and, and I said before, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. The Bible is very clear on where Jesus is physically in bodily form right now. But if you want to just... Help me out with this metaphor and turn to Acts chapter 2. And I want to see God sitting again. When God sits, stuff happens. In, in, Luke, uh, sorry, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, the disciples, right? Plus Mary was there as well, like everyone. Follow Jesus. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. He sat down. <laughs> he sat down on them. God, by his Holy Spirit, sits down on believers. And it was there and then that the church started to actually make an impact in the world. It was actually the birth of the church. The disciples were all following Jesus for three and a half years and Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20 something. But it wasn't until here that the Holy Spirit got all of them because he was able to sit down on them because they were seeking him. They were praying, fervently asking God to, to change their lives and use them. And it was a promise that Jesus made to his disciples. You stay here and wait till power comes from heaven and rests upon you. And that's what happens. God sits down. God sits on them and something happens. My question to you, no, not my question to you, is my statement to you. you we all need to let God sit on us. We all need to let him sit on the throne of our hearts. To take residence as king on the throne of our hearts. And in every single atmosphere, every single room of our life, let him sit down on the throne of our hearts. You know, when Jesus is riding on a donkey, he's not riding towards victory. He's not riding towards the cross, which brings victory. In fact, he's actually riding from victory because it says that he died, he was slain before the foundations of the earth. 
So in other words, before there was a problem, God had an answer. And this is a prophetic um, work of Jesus on a donkey showing us that he's in charge, that he's victorious. There's, there's nothing, there's no plan B. God's always had a plan A, and it's always involved you and me coming to know him and living with him forever and having this hope that lasts forever. Jesus rode on a donkey from victory, knowing that you and I were up ahead, maybe tied up, maybe at a crossroads, but he still noticed us, he still loves us, he still has a plan for us. This week, we're going to let Jesus ride us. We're going to take him into our families. We're going to take him into our workspaces. We're going to take him into our holidays, our free time, our leisure. We're going to take him into our shopping. We're going to take him into our driving during peak hour. I'm sorry, but we're going to have to do that because he is the Lord. We're going to let him sit on the throne of our hearts. Does anyone notice the donkey? Yes, Jesus does. He notices you. He notices me. He notices where we're at, and he knows the plan that he has for us, a beautiful future. And if anyone tries to stop you, just give him his name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we honour you, and we thank you that you are the king. You're the king of our heart. And tonight we want to allow you the great privilege, and great um, honour that we have of allowing you to sit on the throne of our hearts. Would you do that, Lord? Would you come and take your place? Lord, we just thank you so much that you see us. We thank you, Lord, that even when life hurts, you know all about us. Even when life is, is restricting and, and situations that come our way seem to be blocked walls or shut doors or whatever. We just thank you, Lord, that it's not a setback. You're just setting us up for something, something that you want to use us for especially. And Lord, it's not about us. We thank you for that. That the donkey doesn't get any praise in this whole scenario. It is all about you. So Lord, may we have the privilege of carrying you into this week with people not noticing us, but people noticing who you are and that you have an amazing plan that involves them too because you love them. We pray this in your name. Amen.